0: If you have a Bible with you this evening, please turn back with me to Luke's Gospel and to chapter 7. And I'd like to draw your attention, especially this evening, to verses 31 to 35. Luke chapter 7, verses 31 to 35. And uh, my title this evening is Rejecting the Gospel. Rejecting... The Gospel. We often find, as you read the various Gospel accounts, the Lord Jesus Christ asking questions, important questions. Questions that, while they were addressed to a a specific audience in Jesus' day, are still very important questions today, important questions even for us. Here in the 21st century. For example, you could take Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Christ asked his disciples this question Whom do men say that I am? And if you know the passage, the Lord Jesus Christ, he then followed that up by making it even more personal because he said, But whom say ye that I am? And there's an important question that each one of us has to answer in our own hearts. Or think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The band of soldiers are approaching him. They're brandishing their swords and their staves. They're carrying their lanterns and their torches. And as they approach him to arrest him, we're told in John 18, verse 7, he says to them, Whom seek ye? And that question is still a very relevant question. In a sense, our whole eternal destiny hangs on that question. Who do we seek? What is it we're looking for? In this life. Or well, to give another example, when Christ was with the Pharisees, those religious elite of his day, he said to them, What think ye of Christ? And these are all important questions. And here in our passage this evening, the Lord Jesus Christ asks another important question in verse 31. He says there, Whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation? And to what are they like? The Lord Jesus Christ, he looks at the people around him. He looks at the generation of his day and he asks, well, what are they like? In a sense, he says, you know, if I was to try and compare them with something or someone, how would I liken them? What would I use to picture the people of this day? And this question that Christ asked here is a very relevant question. It's a very relevant question for us today. What is the generation that we live in like? What are the people around us like? Or to make this question a much more personal, what am I like? What are you like? So the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he asks this question. And This evening I want to look at the answer that Christ gives to this question because as we consider the answer that he gives, we'll find that there are many similarities with our own generation. While we may live in a different country and in a different era and while there may be, you know, technology has changed and uh, society has changed, men's hearts have not. And what Christ says here in verses 31 to 35 is as relevant today as when he first spoke it to those who were around him. Because the Lord Jesus Christ in these verses that follow, verses 32 to 35, he puts, as it were, his finger on, On the great problem of society of his day. As I said, as we consider these verses, I think we'll see that Christ is pointing his finger at all generations of all people and of our generation today. And as he points his finger, he points out that the generation of his day had rejected the gospel. It didn't matter how it was presented to them. It didn't matter who presented the gospel to them. The people of Christ's day rejected the gospel, the good news of Christ and his atoning death on Calvary. But in a sense, I'm not concerned with the day of Christ. I'm concerned with ourselves this evening. And the question for us tonight is are we like the generation of Christ's day? Are we rejecting the gospel? of redeeming grace to make it more personal are you tonight rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and so I want us to consider this parable that the Lord Jesus Christ tells here sometimes this parable is called the parable of the perverse children and I want to look at two things with you this evening I want to look at the parable of the perverse children and then at the end I want us to look at the promise of prudent children and uh, our first point this evening as we look at this power of the, of the perverse children, I want to divide into two sections. I want us to look firstly at the illustration that he uses in verse 32, and then I want us to look at the explanation that he gives in verses 33 and 34. So let's, uh, let's turn to this parable that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, tells us here in verse 32 let's look at the illustration because it's a very simple illustration that the Lord Jesus Christ uses here as he describes his generation he says in verse 32 they are like unto children sitting in the marketplaces and calling one to another and saying we have piped unto you and ye have not danced we have mourned to you and ye have not wept And Jesus uses what would have been a very familiar scene in those days. He turns to the marketplace, and the marketplace was, uh, with all its stalls and its goods and its buyers and sellers and so on, was the children's playground of those days. Perhaps they went there to play when the, uh, the market was empty, as there was ample room to, you know, play with the other children. Or perhaps they went there while the market was on, and their parents were buying and selling, and it was the place of talking and conversing. And while their parents were talking, the boys and girls would play with one another. Either way, Jesus uses this scene to begin illustrating his points. And I think it's just worth uh, pausing there for a moment because it's clear from this illustration that Jesus observed little children. I think that's a wonderful point to think about. Children were often seen as an inconvenience or a nuisance. Even the disciples, you remember, tried to turn children away who came to the Saviour. Remember how mothers brought their children to be blessed by Jesus Christ and, and the disciples thought, no, Jesus is too busy for this. He's too important to bless children. But, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he loves little children. He has an interest in boys and girls The Pharisees may have looked on children as a burden. The disciples may have looked on children as a burden. But the Lord Jesus Christ loved little children. He watched them. He observed them. And he loved them. I think it's worth just saying tonight that Jesus still loves little children. If you're a young person here tonight, you're not too small or too unimportant to come to the Savior. Jesus said, didn't he, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. But Jesus takes this this scene of the marketplace with children running about and playing games and he describes a particular scenario here because the children are calling to each other and they're trying to decide what game they're going to play. Now, one game the children often like to play, isn't it even in our days, they like to play house, we call it. They like to pretend to be adults and maybe dress up and they like to have... Uh, pretend to be like their parents and they want like to copy what the adults do and uh, of course today you can buy can't you for children mini kitchens and you can buy mini workbenches with mini drills and things like this so the children can pretend to be like adults and children like to dress up and play a part don't they and Jesus in this scene he describes he imagines a group of children who are doing this they're saying to one another let's play something let's have some fun Let's pretend we're at a feast or a wedding, and so they, he says. There, they, they called. They said, "We piped unto you." And he says, "You have not danced." Pipes and dancing in the Lord Jesus Christ' day were a common theme of joyous occasions in the Scripture, and uh, particularly for weddings. And he, this is the scene that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying that these children are calling out. Let's play weddings. I know, you know, one of you, you can be the bride, one of you can be the groom and, you know, we'll have some of us piping and we'll follow you and let's play weddings. But the other group, no, we don't want to play that game. Well, we played that last week, it's boring, we don't want to play that game again. And so it says there, we piped unto you, but you didn't dance, you didn't want to play it. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he's setting this scene to us. And imagine these boys and girls, they say, well, okay, we won't play, you didn't want to dance, you didn't want to play weddings, you didn't want to dress up and, and do that. Well, let's, let's have a, let's change the game from a joyful game to something sad. Let's, let's play funerals. Let's pretend that we're at a funeral. Now, of course, you, you have to remember in those days, funerals were probably far more common and they were much more public affairs. You think about how the widow of Nain's son was carried through the streets and everyone was following. The boys and girls would have seen funerals on many occasions. They didn't want to play that either. Well, we played that one as well. We've played that hundreds of times before. We don't want to play funerals again. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, says, these children, says, Look, we piped unto you, you have not danced, we mourned to you, and you have not wept so he draws this, this, this scenario with these two contrasting games, but the children don't want to play either. Now, if you know a little bit about children, this is still common today, isn't it? One says, you know, come on, play my game. And the other says, oh, we always play your game. And they say, well, why don't you play this? And so the other child says, well, why don't you play my game? Well, your game's boring. Your game's childish. And you see this going on, you know, your ba- game's babyish. I don't want to play your game. And they, they never can agree, can they, what game they want to play children are never satisfied, whatever game is suggested. Well, they play it for a few minutes, but now we've got to now play another game because we've got bored of that game. And Jesus says that those around him, his generation, were just like this. They were childish. They were never happy or satisfied. It's amazing really to think what Jesus is saying here, just to stop and analyse what, what Jesus is saying. It's he, he's, he's quite actually humorous what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about the Pharisees in particular. Look, Pharisees, you're just like little children playing in the marketplace. You're just like a rabble of dissatisfied children. Do this, I no, don't want that. What about this, no, I don't want that either. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he is this wonderful illustration here that everyone would have understood. It was a very damning uh, illustration that he uses. But he goes on in verses 33 and 34 to give us the explanation. There's the the illustration that he uses. But then he goes on to explain what this parable means. Because Jesus uses this parable to draw our attention to the contrast between John the Baptist and himself. And he uses these two contrasting games that the children wanted to play to illustrate his points. You'll know, I'm sure, that the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus Christ had many contrasts. There was many differences between them. And the differences were often quite striking to those who were there in, in Jesus' day. Verse 33, he says this, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say, have a devil. John the Baptist, you'll remember, was clothed with camel's hair and he ate locust and wild honey. He preached in the wilderness and his disciples, we are told, were made to fast often and pray often. He abstained from eating and drinking. It was a life of abstinence. If you wanted to follow John, it was a life of taking away the pleasures of this world. And John's message as well, John's message in some ways was quite different because John's message was largely a message of a call to repentance. It was a message of warning. And so the people around John seemed very austere. Remember what is said in Luke chapter 3, you go back to uh, back in the gospel a few chapters to Luke chapter 3. John looked at the generation around him he didn't call them children he called them something else in Luke chapter 3 and verses 7 and 8 it says then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him O generation of vipers who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come John didn't mince his words did he he wasn't backwards in coming forwards we might say He said, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And you can carry on reading what he says there. John was, John's message was a harsh message. He says to the Pharisees, look, you think you've got Abraham as your father, you think you're privileged. Well, look at these stones. God could make them children of Abraham too. He says, you're a generation of vipers. What a a harsh message. It was a message to repent. It was a message that was calling the people to mourn and to weep, just like the children in the marketplace. This was the message of the funeral, we could say. But what a contrast to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Verse 34 in our passage, the Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, behold, a gluttonous man, and a winebibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Christ sat down and ate, didn't he, with, with publicans and he sat down to meet with sinners. Zacchaeus, you know, he came to Zacchaeus' house. What a wicked man he was. And they accused him of eating and drinking in excess. And Christ wasn't hidden away in the wilderness like John was, but he was walking freely among the people. He didn't dress in an unusual way. He didn't eat unusual food. He didn't make his disciples fast as often as John the Baptist. John seems so stern, and yet Christ seems so affable, too affable in a sense, to the people. And we could also say that Christ's message focused much more on what we might say was the good news that good news that there is pardon for sins, there's forgiveness, and it's available through faith in him. It was a message of piping and dancing. Now it's worth saying at this point that the doctrine of John the Baptist and the doctrine of Jesus Christ were exactly the same. Christ also commanded the people to repent of their sin. And John of course pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. But the point that Christ is making is that they weren't happy with either. They were like little children in the marketplace. Nothing satisfied them. They were hard to please. They were resolved to reject whoever preached the gospel. They didn't want John because he had a devil. They didn't want Christ because he was a friend of sinners. There was no pleasing them. And so Jesus Christ says, "Look, they're just like these children in the marketplace." However, the truth is that these objections that they raised to John and Jesus, they were a cloak to cover their hatred for God's words. They were resolved in their hearts, weren't they, to reject the gospel. Just look at verse 30 of our passage. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God. And friends, tonight we may be exactly the same as the people of Jesus Christ's day. We may hear one preacher and we feel that he's too austere, too serious for us. All he seems to ever talk about is hell and everlasting punishment. He seems to lay it on too thick about sin and iniquity and transgressions. He's forever talking about the wrath to come and, and the judgment seat of Christ. And he comes in and he and he says in a sense to us, "Mourn and weep. When he comes, you reject him. Reject the counsel of God. No, that's not for me. That's too harsh." But another preacher comes and they speak of the love of Christ. The love of Christ for sinners. And they may come and they may remind you of Christ's tenderness and his love and his compassion for those who are weary and heavy laden. And and they come and the preacher comes and he seeks to to show you that Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Someone just like you. And, And they preach with so much winsomeness and so much tenderness. But that's not good enough for you either. Perhaps they speak in gentle tones of the Savior, how in love and mercy he carried a cross to that, city, to that place outside of the city of Jerusalem so that he might die in your place. And they pointed to him in his agonies, pointed to all his sufferings, pointed to his blood that was shed for you. Perhaps they pointed to his great suffering so that undone sinners like you could be saved. The preacher piped. The preacher said, dance, but you wouldn't dance. And again, you've rejected the gospel of redeeming grace. And perhaps this is multiplied over and over. You know, some preachers are too flowery. Others are too blunt. Some wear the wrong kind of tie. Others preach for too long. You hear one who's a son of thunder. You hear another who's like Barnabas, a son of consolation. But you still reject all of them. And as you reject the messengers who come in reality, you reject the message that they bring. And as you reject the message in reality, you're rejecting the man of the message. Because you're rejecting Jesus Christ himself. Friends, let me ask you tonight, is this true of you? Will you continue to reject Christ? Will you continue to reject his messengers? You hear piping, you hear dancing, but you say, no, it's not for me. They, they come and they, they say mourn and they say weep, but you say, that's not for me either. And it was the same in Isaiah's day. We read Isaiah chapter 53 earlier. Isaiah faced exactly the same problem. We read those words in Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who hath believed our reports? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He comes and says, who is believing this? I'm preaching this glorious message of salvation that one day one's going to come and suffer and die in your place. And as I preach it, who's believing? You know, that passage goes on, doesn't it? When we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, the Lord told Isaiah right back at the beginning in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, you're going to make their hearts fat, you're going to make their ears heavy. This is actually what's going to happen. The people are actually not going to listen to you. They're going to reject you. And when you come to Isaiah 49, Isaiah says, I've laboured in vain. I have spent my strength for naught. He preached and he preached and he preached, but the people rejected the gospel. Let me just say to you tonight, don't make the preacher your excuse. Don't make him your excuse why you will not come and trust in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees found fault with John and they made lies up about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they couldn't fault their doctrine. And plenty of people today, they find fault with the preacher and they find fault with his delivery. They find fault with the sermon. They find fault with just about anything. And it's just an excuse Because they know that the message finds fault with them. Friends, tonight you see the fault is not with the gospel, but it's with your hearts. Preachers have their faults, that's true. They're only saved sinners. But don't let that be your excuse tonight. Why you won't come and trust in the Saviour. Why you won't repent of your sin and mourn for your sin. And then rejoice and dance in all that Christ has done. But we could say there's another danger as well that that Christ doesn't mention here, but we were thinking just a moment or two ago in the prayer meeting about, and that other danger, remember, was prevalent in Ezekiel's day. There were those who came gladly to hear the words. As we said earlier on, the words of Ezekiel were as a lovely song. It says that in chapter 33 and verse 2, but the Lord says, they hear thy words, but they do them not. And perhaps that's true of you too. You come quite gladly, you're quite happy to sit here, quite happy to listen to the preacher in a sense. But you leave unchanged, rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, either way, whether you find fault with the preacher, whether you find fault with the message, whatever it is you find, either way, you're still rejecting him. If you leave unchanged and you're rejecting this glorious gospel... But, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't end it there. He gives this illustration and he gives this explanation. He says, look, these people, this is what they're like. They're like these children who can't agree what game to play. They're not happy with either. You didn't want John. You didn't want Jesus Christ. But he says there are those who, although they're like these children, these perverse children, he does give a promise that there are also prudent children. Notice what he says there in verse 35 and this is our second point this evening just briefly tonight because the Lord Jesus Christ says look friends it doesn't have to be like that because he mentions this other kind of children here in verse 35 he says but wisdom is justified of all her children and so the Lord Jesus Christ says look you know you've got these perverse children but here are prudent children You don't have to be like this generation. You don't have to be like these people who've rejected me and rejected John. You don't have to be like a foolish, perverse child who's never satisfied. And Christ here portrays wisdom as a person. And he speaks about wisdom having children. And he's speaking about himself. Christ is wisdom personified he is wisdom you remember how we read that chapter in proverbs a number of weeks ago and it speaks of christ he is wisdom and he says look this is that wisdom has children those who follow him those who are born of him born of gods and he's talking about those who love him and trust him those who've repented of their sin and turned in faith to forgiveness to him this is what happens when we trust in christ we're born again. We become, as it were, his children. We're made wise unto salvation. We see that there were, there were those in Jesus' day who were blessed. you remember what he said in verse 23? And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. The one who is a child of God, the one who is wisdom's child, is not offended in Jesus Christ. And there were even those in Christ's day who did believe. Look at verse 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God's. There's wisdom's children. The ones who came and they heard joyfully the message of John. They heard joyfully the message of Christ, and they justified God, and they believed him. You see, John mourned and they repented. Christ piped and they danced because they knew the joy of their sins forgiven. But the question tonight is, have you? Are you one of these children of wisdom? Are you someone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come and heard the message of forgiveness of sin in Christ? Have you repented? Have you trusted in him? Just look at verse 34. Look at the, the, what they described Jesus Christ in his day. They said, look, he's a friend of publicans and sinners, Friends, that's a wonderful truth. Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. We sung that hymn, One There Is Above All Others well deserves the name of friends. Jesus Christ is the friend of sinners. But friends, this evening, are you a friend of him? Or are you like these children, these foolish, discontent, perverse children, always rejecting the gospel, always rejecting the message, always rejecting Christ? doesn't matter who comes, you're rejected out of hand. Or are you, as Christ says here, someone who is wise, someone who loves Christ, knows him as his saviour, knows him as your friend? Well, I trust this evening that all of us would be like those who are justified by wisdom. We know what it is to be a a child of God, a child of the Lord Jesus Christ.